We finally stopped in a room full of waterfalls. The floor was one big pit ringed by a slippery stone walkway. Welcome to Floor 600. <laughs> this is a podcast with two friends. Quinn. And Natalie. I never know who's going to go first. It's literally written out. I know, but I don't know if I go, okay, I'm going to say Quinn, or are you going to say Quinn? Well, I'm going to say Quinn. <laughs> Oh my god, this, uh, this is our 22nd time doing this, at least. So what? Has to be different every time, right? <laughs> Some people but, have a pre-recorded okay. intro. <laughs> That's boring. <laughs> so, uh, this is a podcast where we talk about Percy Jackson's Olympian series by Rick Riordan. We are now reading The Battle of the Labyrinth, the fourth book in the series, and in this episode, we are going to be discussing chapters 8 through 10. Hopefully. <laughs> Alright, so let's get into it. The start plugs. We have to do that. I don't know why we do it, but we do it. We do it because you email us, and you know why we you email us? Because you email us! It's so exciting! I was going to say because we have our email address in the very <laughs> beginning, and it's like, hey... Email us at 4600.podcasts at gmail.com. Yeah. 600 is not spelled out, by the way. 600. Maybe that's confusing. <gasps> if that was the whole problem, I'll die. <laughs> yeah, because people couldn't figure it out by looking at the title of the podcast. But you know what? People did figure it out. We mm-hmm. have two emails to talk to you guys about today. And that brings us to... Feel famous with us. Ooh, what's that? A camera? It's our brand new <laughs> segment in which we read. That's probably not emails. gonna be like every episode. <laughs> no, it's an occasional, <laughs> occasional segment. segment. <laughs> but yeah, this I, I even wrote out. This is our new occasional <laughs> segment. Where we read listener emails or respond to questions or suggestions that we get in our inbox. Woohoo! Ta da! I love writing things out only to have us blatantly ignore that. <laughs> the best part. Anyway, we received two, not one, my friends, but two emails last week from listeners. So, listeners Vivi and Anna wrote us questions. Um,. Vivi, no. sorry, but yours is, like, super long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But it was really fun, and I yeah. like it, and I, I could respond to the whole thing. But yeah. we're probably going to cut parts of it. I'm, I'm going to sum it up. It's okay, fine. cool. Do you want to read the short one, and I'll do the long one, or you want me to read both? All right, I can read the short one. Okay. Wait, did you call her Anna? I thought she was Annabeth Chase. Her email address... Oh, okay. Well, I want to call her Annabeth because okay, <laughs> it's like in this, I don't know, I, it was the first thing that popped up when I saw the email. I was like, Annabeth Chase is emailing me. <laughs> I legit just almost read out her email address and then I was like, no. <laughs> okay, but she emailed us and said, hey guys, listening to episode, or ep. 20, episode 20, like right now. And you just spelled out the email address, so I couldn't resist emailing you. I love this podcast. I get excited every time I hit play and just wanted you to know that you're making people happy. So thank you for putting a smile on my face. You know. 
Why don't you guys call Rick Riordan Uncle Rick? The whole fandom does. OMG, that was so much unintended sass. It's alright, we like unintended and intended sass. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Anyway, I love you guys tons, so have a wonderful day, week, year, life. Smiley face. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Miss Annabeth Chase, thank you for putting a smile on our faces. Yes. (laughs) Because we were very excited to get this email. (laughs) Okay, but, so, why don't we call Rick Riordan and Uncle Rick? We do sometimes. Sometimes we do. It's a rare moment, but I do feel like sometimes we do. I feel like, personally, I think we save it for moments of affection. Yes. And, in like, critique and analysis, we just call him Rick. Or, yeah, mostly we call him Rick. And I don't know why (laughs) why we can't ignore him. Like Uncle Rick is just like, it's like a pet name. Yeah, you know, like I have men that I've grown up with that I like. I think of as uncles, but I never call them. Hey, Uncle Ron, how are you? Yeah, that's weird. I would call him Ron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be weird. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes we do. Well, we could call him Uncle Rick. And maybe we will, but I don't know. It's just, and then also, like, going through school, I feel like we're, like, drilled that you have to refer (laughs) to authors by their last name. True. And some, and, like, or just by, I don't know. I don't know why we don't call them Well, you get those great APSA citations, and it's just last name, year, Mm -hmm. etc., APSA is American Political Science Association, and they have their very own citation I system. Like, or I used Chicago. I yeah, had to use I don't it. know how. It Most the people crap out of me. hate Chicago style. <laughs> I do not know why, but I love it. Every it time just we had the like, option of doing like MLA or APSA format, I would always do APSA because it's so easy. Really? Yeah, it was like author name, year. Title, who published it, the end. Nice. Yeah. Chicago, <laughs> I don't even know what's all included in the footnote. But, and then sometimes you don't have, if you're reusing the source, you can use the, the, whatever letters, the limbus or whatever. You can, mm. be, it basically means look above. It's the same, it's oh. the same source, different page number type thing. Yeah, when you do, it's like. Yeah, I know what you're talking I think you were the one who taught me about that when we were in history class, and I was like, I don't want to do this, Quinn. <laughs> and I, like, looked at one of your papers and saw that, and I was like, oh, Like, amazing. what? You don't have to have the footnotes the entire page? <laughs> yeah. But sometimes that's good when you can just, like, fill a page with footnotes. Fluff, my friends. Yep. You don't add any text to your writing, but you're adding space. <laughs> um, sometimes you put in a... Harry Potter reference, and yeah, then they're that's sick. what's so fun about put footnotes. You can add anything down there. Remember when Professor What's His Name used my Harry Potter reference? Yeah. I wasn't even there, and I was like, "Oh." She put a Harry Potter reference into a footnote of a history paper on what? Mid- something about Middle Eastern history. I don't it was Middle what Eastern history. Was. Oh my god! And. <laughs> It was the, like she missed because she was sick, and he was just like, first time she he probably I don't even know like first time he really referred to you like by name he was like 
well, where's Natalie? I want to talk about her pregnancy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, she's sick. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm going to talk about it anyway. I love this example. This footnote is just amazing. Like, <laughs> and the best thing was he didn't understand he it. Didn't know the reference. <laughs> <laughs> because you phrased it really well. You were like, <laughs> in you. some young, uh, in a specific, like, in, in certain what? young adult novels or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Like where a young boy disguised as a wizard. <laughs> Is, I think it was, like, about how, oh, I think it was one of the books that we were reading. I think the the footnote was about how, like, the main characters aren't given all the information that they need. <laughs> I don't know about this for three years, people. <laughs> We've gone way off track. Yeah. But we anyway. love you, Annabeth Chase. <laughs> <laughs> See, look at all this conversation your email brought us. Thank you for that. Yeah, we also have opinions on ways to cite things. Let me know if you guys want to see the uh, footnote and I'll dig it up. (laughs) Alright, so this brings us to our second email which we got the day after it was Chase's email. It was like a mind blow. I was like, Natalie, you won't believe what is in our email (laughs) box. That was awesome. Okay, so Vivi Writes us, suggestions and baby centaurs. Hi, I just found your podcast and binged through it in like two days. So, A, congratulations, because that's a lot of hours <laughs> listening to us talk. <laughs> I mean, I've listened to us talk for that long. And it's, it's hard sometimes. <laughs> I've been a fan of Raritan's books for years, and it's nice to know I'm not the only grown-up who's still reading them. Preach, sister. You might already know this, but Rick's written a bunch of bonus books for all his series, and some of the short stories in them actually matter for the plot in the Heroes of Olympus series, and even the ones that don't still offer extra insight into the characters. If you can get your hands on them, I'd recommend reading Demigod Files after the Battle of the Labyrinth, aka what we're reading right now, or The Last Olympian, and Demigod Diaries after the Lost Heroes. Uh, after a lost hero. <laughs> And obviously the Kane Chronicles and Magus Chase bonus books after those series. Whenever you get there. I know, that's going to be like a way in the future. But I do like the idea of reading the um, bonus book before. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, I mean, I think we asked about that a little while ago. I like reading, I I sort of like the idea of reading the Demigod (laughs) Files before. Or we read the last Olympian, but all of it though. Maybe maybe not all of it. Depending maybe on do like yeah, depending on which too. parts of them are like able to you yeah. know like plot wise. Mm-hmm. We'll have to look into it. How many stories? I are remember there? I made that timeline, and I have yeah. to, we we just have to look at the timeline yeah. and actually follow it. <laughs> we could read like two stories for them and put one on Patreon or something. Ooh, that would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's more. Uh, I'm actually not shortening this because it's fun. So, <laughs> um, a while ago, like, book one, I think, we had a discussion about baby centaurs. <laughs> and so Vivi says, I also wanted to offer my opinion on the baby centaur discussion because, well, baby centaurs. Correct. And uh, I want to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> well, baby centaurs. You probably already know this, but a horse's pregnancy lasts two to three months longer than human pregnancy. I think you assume too much. Yep. 
<laughs> so if centaur pregnancy follows horse anatomy, the human part of a baby centaur would probably be the equivalent of a three-month-old baby, oh, which means it would probably be able to hold itself upright. That being said, I've been around both horse and human babies, and in my experience, a newborn horse is much smarter than a three-month-old human, <laughs> and human babies should not be trusted with hooves. <laughs> no, they shouldn't. <laughs> this is the most beautifully written paragraph it about is. baby centaurs I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, like Quinn said, you assume too much. <laughs> I did not know that. Did I bother to Google it? No. Because why would I? <laughs> but I love the idea that it's a three-month-old baby and, like, a normal baby horse. Like, it makes a little bit more sense. Imagine? But, like... The birthing process. Would it... <laughs> would it be... But... No, it ha- would have to be head first, Right? But which torso yeah. would come out first? <laughs> would you want the horse part out first or the baby part out first? It, uh, well, <laughs> don't baby horses, like, flatten themselves and their their front hooves come out and then the nose? Yeah, don't they, like, <laughs> they, like, Superman out. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, would the baby head be, like... <laughs> Centaurs flatten out like that? Like, will their human half always be a little bit, you know, they're like L-shaped? I don't know. (laughs) The idea of it is just absurd. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny to picture. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah, but, um... Vivi, if you don't care, I'm going to put Because Well Baby Centaurs on a t-shirt and sell them. <laughs> I think we, we, if we do that, we kind of cut her in somehow. <laughs> anyway, I love your podcast. Thank you. And also, you've got a lot of heartbreak ahead. Uncle Rick has no mercy. No, I'm terrified. Vivi. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't read anything beyond, well, that's not true. I've read like half a book beyond The Last Olympian, and I am not. Looking forward to it. <laughs> I have read all of the Heroes of Olympus series. Yeah. Heartbreak. I really, I want to read that a lot, but I also want to read the other ones, because, like, on the Facebook group, a lot of people say, they'd be like, I don't know why people don't like the Kane Chronicles or, like, Magnus Chase, and I want to know why. I sort of do want to read Kane Chronicles before reread. Um, Heroes of Olympus, but that's yeah. just because I don't know. I have more curiosity about it right now. Yeah, I'm interested in like the Egyptian, and I feel like it would be a nice break from we're always talking about Hercules. <laughs> Hercules. It's true. It would be like totally new for us, like mythology wise. Yeah. At least for me, anyway. Beyond you know the very like basic stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I know Isis and I know Ra. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Anubis. Anubis. Um, yeah. Sick. I don't know, dog. Didn't the Egyptians worship cats? Yeah, there's a there's they a still? black cat that's. How much do modern Egyptians? Nearly, we don't know much about Egyptian. We shouldn't be talking about it. We'll talk no, about I'm it. I'm asking a question. <laughs> I want to know how much like modern Egyptians follow like 
ancient, like ancient mythology. I would say the same amount of, like, I don't know, because it's like, it's an ancient mythology, you know? Yeah. I want it, I don't know, it's would just, it be sort of like some guy in Italy worshipping? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just thought, like, you know, you never Jupiter. know, like, what things, like, trickle down. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. We're probably making Tradition. ourselves sound what like What traditions idiots. trickle down? And, I, I don't mean, know. It's all things we need to, like, watch a lot of documentaries and yeah. probably talk to people about. Yep. Hopefully this is why we people. research. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Are cool. you ready to get so, into it? In, in with the... Um, real quick, yeah. thanks for writing to us, guys, and yeah. making us feel famous and feeling famous with us. We love hearing from you guys, so write us more. And now, we are going to get into this recap because it's super freaking long. Oh, I didn't even think we said the email. Floor600.podcast at gmail. Yeah, I did. Oh, you did? Okay, cool. Never mind. <laughs> recap! <laughs> <laughs> are you ready? Not really. <laughs> this document's 15 pages long. <sighs> They're usually like nine, so, all right. <laughs> Chapter eight, we visit the Demon Dude Ranch. Woohoo! I gave this three stars. I gave it four stars. Really? Yeah. I, I don't know. It could go up. Cowboys, I don't know. Dude Ranch. It does sound it terrifying. Ri- it rises on my scale. I would, I don't know. Watched a lot of cowboy movies growing <laughs> up. I what enjoy a shock. It. I enjoy it. <laughs> I could go up. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so we find the squad back in the labyrinth. And they just keep running. They run. They just run for a long time. <laughs> and then they find a giant pit. Fabulous. Hurrah. Wonder where that could go. Don't you love giant pits to nowhere? When you're already underground. Whenever someone pit, like whenever something happens and it's like, oh, look, there's a pit already underground. I think of rescuers. Mm. We already, we had this conversation months ago. And you've never seen Rescuers. I mean, I saw it, like, maybe once when I was, like, five or something. I don't know. I hate that you haven't seen Rescuers. Okay, it's you've never read movie. Little Women. <sighs> Shush. But, like, Rescuers takes, like, an hour and a half. <laughs> Little Women takes... <laughs> oh, a while. Anyway. <laughs> So. Anyway, in that movie, there's a scene where they're going underground. They're in this, like, uh, a well, basically, like a pit. And then she has to find the diamond. And then there's a, just a giant sinkhole just oh. opens up and starts almost swallowing them. And that's what I think of every time that in these books when it's like, we're underground. Oh, no, a pit. I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, no, a Bernard pit. Bernard and Bianca are about to get swallowed. <laughs> Gotcha. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so, Briaries is definitely in need of a good therapist. Yes. And he says that he should just throw himself into the pit and oh. save them all the trouble of dealing with him. No. Which is really sad. And Tyson's very upset by this, of course, because he, like, idolizes Briaries. Yeah, it's his hero. And he asks about uh, Briaries' brothers, and Briaries tells him that his brothers have faded into non-existence. Yeah just sad and i feel like we talk a lot or we're gonna be talking a lot about like possibility of fading into existence mm-hmm. in these chapters yeah because of creatures that we shall meet <laughs> so 
like people just kind of stop believing in them, he yeah. says, and then they just kind of cease to exist. So Percy pulls Briaries aside and tries to convince him to stay with them, but Briaries is just like, oh, I cannot help. And he just like gets all ashamed of himself and trudges away into the darkness. And Annabeth is like, all right, let's go camp somewhere that's not next to a giant pit. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> So, they camp in an ancient Greek tomb instead. Oh, yeah. Very picker-upper. <laughs> nice. Nice, nice, nice. So, Grover falls asleep right away, and Tyson just kind of tinkers with some metal scraps, and Percy apologizes to him for losing the wristwatch shield that Tyson had repaired for him, yeah. which is sad. I hate it when characters in books, like, lose objects. <laughs> and I think it's because... Of uh, probably unnaturally or unhealthy attachment that I used to have to like certain objects when I was little, like I don't know, like teddy bears and stuff. Like you, you were that kid that carried around the teddy bear everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. So every time when I was little, like if a character lost something that meant a lot, I'd be like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Tyson is like, it's okay, you know, he's like, it saved your life, all of our lives, so, my life, so, if Briaries had helped, it wouldn't have been necessary. Yeah. Tyson says, he is not strong, he is not important anymore, Aww. which is like the saddest commentary on, I know. like, human existence. Like, <laughs> like, it's okay, if you're feeling not strong, you're still unimportant. And, like, considering <laughs> such, like, a flip. From where Tyson was just, like, a few pages ago. That's so sad. But, yeah, he's just, like, completely lost faith in his hero. And he makes a comment that it's not, like, other people who stopped believing in the hundred-handed ones. It's Mm -hmm. the hundred-handed ones stop believing in themselves. Yeah. Deep. Very deep. (laughs) Um... Yeah. It's so sad. It's sad. <laughs> I'm sure we'll see Briaries again at some point. So, after Tyson falls asleep, Percy talks to Annabeth. What a surprise. Uh. So, Percy thinks about what Annabeth must have looked like as a little girl when she was, like, running around the country with Talia and Luke. <laughs> and he knows that she has a lot of guts and, like, admires her for it and stuff. And it's so cute because he just has this, like, <laughs> thought process about her and how awesome she is. And Annabeth complains a little that she, like, wishes the quest was logical. And it's like, <laughs> really? Well, she, <laughs> well, she's admitting that it was, like, she's not as prepared as she thought she was. Yeah. And, like, Percy was right when he <clears throat> was just like, you've just read about it. Mm-hmm. And when, and, I don't know, she's admitting that she's wrong. and But she can't do that, so she's just like. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What are you going to do now, you know? Go home? So, um, in the last episode, we discussed how Hera says that Percy knows how to get through the labyrinth, and Percy was like, what? So, Annabeth asks him about it, and he says that maybe if he knew the last line of the prophecy, it would help him figure it out. And Annabeth is like, nah. Not going to tell you. So then he asks, in his very Perseus way of asking a lot of intrusive questions all at once, 
asks about the choice that Janus mentioned, and Annabeth just snaps at him to stop talking about it, and is like, I have to think about it. <laughs> and Percy's like, okay, go to sleep. <laughs> so Percy realizes that Nico must be in the maze somewhere as well. He just, like, has a revelation, I guess. And he's like, Nico must no, be down No, doesn't here. he see, like, something in water? Does it, he see, like, wrappers? Is that right now? McDonald's wrappers? Oh, or is I that, that later? Was late. I don't know. It could have been now. Maybe I just... No. It's that's later. later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Percy's like, Nico must be down here. And Annabeth is like, I hope you're wrong. But you're probably not. Yeah. <laughs> so Percy takes first watch so Annabeth can go to sleep. And as he sleeps... He, uh, later, um, <laughs> he dreams again of Daedalus in his workshop. So Daedalus looks, like, even worse than he did in Percy's other dream. Well, this is because, like, it's not like all of the dreams just happen. This is one day, this is another right. day, this is another <laughs> it's day. It's just, like, this is one day, this is five years later, this is yeah. ten years later, this is fifty years later. This is X amount of time later. So Daedalus is, like, super like, proud of his new finished project, which is two sets of giant bronze wings attached to harnesses big enough for human beings. Ooh. Yikes. And Percy in his head is like, those will never fly. They're too heavy. Come on, Percy. And then Daedalus' son, Icarus, as we now discovers his name, runs over and he's like, oh my god, they look amazing, blah, blah, blah. Let's put them on. And get the heck out of here. I sort of have an issue with Percy not recognizing, I would Icarus. think, very common myths. Like, there's a com- <laughs> like it's a common sa- saying, I feel like. Oh. Icarus flew too close to the sun. Yeah. What's the... the it's a line in Hamilton. Like, they have... They get, Icarus is in a lot... I feel like that's just yeah. something that's stuck with our culture. Like, certain things like in myths have just moved, or they've lasted. Mm-hmm. And Icarus that's what is I was definitely... talking about earlier. Yes, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and Icarus is just one that has. And I'm very, very surprised that Percy... Doesn't even, like, doesn't recognize, doesn't make any moment of just being like, oh, that's that name of this thing. Yeah. Okay. That's true, because usually when Percy does, like, remember things, Rick makes a point of, like, you you see his thought process of, like, oh, I remember this from whatever. Whatever and whatever. I don't know, maybe, I don't know. It is kind of weird, I guess. Either way, so they have the wing, they, it's like big bronze wings, and mm-hmm. can't put them on yourself, you have to have someone else do it. Yes. So Daedal, or no, Icarus does Daedalus first, and yes. then Daedalus does Icarus, but the, it's running out of time, and the guards start knocking on the door, and it, Icarus isn't fully into his stuff, and waxes everywhere, they're yeah, freaking they're out. It with Minus wax. breaks in. They're like, ah, ah. and <laughs> they. What are you doing? 
them <laughs> fighting and talking and like ah talking about yeah. oh you let my daughter escape blah 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 yeah and if you have to describe your daughter leaving the house as escaping uh. <laughs> I think you are in the wrong <laughs> yeah. yeah and before that though. Daedalus reminds Icarus that if he gets too close to the water, the, the spray will wet the wax. And if he gets too close to the sun, the heat will melt them. And Icarus is like, whatever. And then, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then King Minos comes in. Minos? Minos? Whatever. Minos. <laughs> and comes in, blah, blah, blah. You let my daughter leave the house. You drove my wife to madness. You killed my monster. Yeah. Uh, Daedalus is like, whatever. And Icarus sprays him with hot wax. <laughs> And they, like, lift the cover off a vent in the floor, and, like, the column of air lifts them on their wings, and they fly up into the sky. Yay. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. Well, (laughs) I think, because Icarus' wings weren't fully dry when Minus came in. So he was already on sort of rocky wings. Yeah, and then what does he do? He He, flies too close to the water. And he flies too close to the sun. And he's just like, oh, Father, I, re- I trust your inventions. Nothing you can do to it is wrong. And Daedalus on, is dude. like, dude, I literally just told you not to do that, and now you're doing it. And then Icarus's wings fall off, and he falls to the, to the water 300 feet below. And, and dies. he dies. Probably on impact. Hopefully. Because... When you fall from that high up, water is the equivalent of, like, stone. He's like a little pancake. <laughs> yeah. At the bottom of the ocean. Yep. Ugh. What a lovely picture. <laughs> <laughs> and keep in mind, he's, like, Percy's age. Yeah. Sad, but he was being really reckless. Listen to your parents, kid. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it's about life and death. So, but I, first, I, I, I don't know. I still think that the wax was still too hot, and it was Daedalus. Like he should have insisted on putting Icarus in first. I would think that he would have. I would have think thought that would be like the first instinct of like most parents of. All right, we're gonna secure you. Well, it was, then and then me. Icarus is like, "No, father, you deserve it." And if I were Daedalus, I would have been like, nah, bruh, because yeah. you can at least get out of here. Though, I guess the, and when you're doing, going on the airport, yeah, airplane, and like their <laughs> like demonstration videos, it's always yeah. secure your own mask before your kids, so. Yeah, that's true. Secure your mask first, miss, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Me neither. <laughs> So everybody wakes up and they actually eat. Hurrah! They eat granola bars and juice boxes. Well, well they drink the juice boxes. Grover probably ate it. Probably ate the juice boxes. <laughs> but this is like one of the few times we actually see them eating consistently. Like, I know. Oh, this is the first time they're like they're fully committed to their survival. <laughs> so they get up. They keep going. Percy doesn't tell anyone about his dream because he doesn't want to freak anyone out. But. Sometimes having information is helpful. Yeah. Though, I don't know what they would do with them, because Annabeth probably already knows the entire story. They would just be able to be like, okay, so does that mean that we're getting closer or further? (laughs) Like, what does this mean for our quest? And 
The answer is they don't know. So what is the point of him sharing that information, I guess? I don't know. You never know what somebody else will think of. That's true. So they keep walking, and the maze changes into a gold mine looking path, much to Annabeth's irritation, because she's like, it should be getting older. And this is when they find the giant pit full of pop and half-eaten cheeseburgers, signaling that Nico had been there. Ah, that's when... So Percy starts running down the path, suddenly desperate to find Nico, and leads the squad down a tunnel where they are suddenly in sunlight. And they're mm. like, what is this foreign Thing. sensation? Yeah, <laughs> we haven't seen this in a while now. <laughs> so they just hear, like, mooing, and they look up, and there's a bright red cow above them. And Grover's like, oh, this is a cattle guard to keep the cattle from, like, walking over here for whatever reason and well no they do that around like pastures and stuff so that like all right instead of having a big fence here oh like all right or well they still have a fence but like this is the ins like this is how you get in and out of the pasture oh and it just makes it so the cows can't walk out of the area so i had to google what it looked like and i was like what is the purpose of this it's the cow's <laughs> hooves can't go through. Or, well, well yeah, they will that. go through. They will go through. Um, so the cows can't walk on it. And it's just to keep the cows out of a specific area. They also mm-hmm. have, like, similar things for, like, sheep and stuff. Well, according to Grover, if you had hooves, you'd know what it was. Yeah, because they would hurt to walk in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your feet would get stuck. <laughs> so Percy remembers what Harris said about having to pass through the ranch. He's like, we need to go up here. So Tyson pushes the cattle guard out of the way, and they all climb out into the sunshine. And Annabeth recognizes the cows as Apollo's holy cows. <laughs> holy cow! But before they can talk anymore about the holy cows, a big two-headed dog comes barreling right at them. Nah. Because this is apparently the book of multi-heads Head. and limbs creatures. <laughs> so right. So what kind of dog are you picturing? I was picturing cow dog, like Australian cow dog. Doesn't it say he's like a German, uh, 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 greyhound? Oh. That's yeah, that's not what I pictured. I wanted to he's be like, a cow dog. What kind of ranch dog is like a skinny like that? Yeah, it needs to be a ranch dog. Yeah. It looked like a greyhound, long and sneaky and sleek brown, but its neck veed into two heads, both of them snapping and snarling and generally not very glad to see us. But a greyhound? What kind of a ranch dog is a greyhound? A nonsense dog. Because they can run real fast? I guess, but they wouldn't be able to... No. I disagree. (laughs) Sorry, Uncle Rick. Not buying it. (laughs) Get a better dog for your farm. (laughs) It's not a farm, it's a ranch. Sorry, get a better ranch dog. (laughs) Well, I don't know, maybe there is a a greyhound ranch out there that, like, (laughs) they train greyhounds to be ranch dogs after rehabilitating them from the racing circuit. Yeah. (laughs) I know. So right after the Janus dog, as Tyson calls him, comes its owner, a jacked redneck father time figure with a don't mess with Texas t-shirt and a denim jacket with the sleeves ripped off. Not cut off. Ripped off. (laughs) And Percy's like, who are you? And Annabeth's like, I got this. And she's like, we are on a quest. And Uridian's like, ah. 
Because that's who it is. His yeah. name's Uranium. <laughs> <laughs> and Percy's like, how do you know we're half-bloods? And Uranium's like, I am one too, sonny. And I don't think that's how Texans sound at all, sorry. <laughs> but anyway, the mean two-headed dog's name is Orthus. Uridian is his owner, and Uridian is the ranch hand. Yeah, cow ranch herd. hand. Cow herd. And he, the cowboy on hand. <laughs> <laughs> so Uridian mentions just like casually kind of, he's like, oh, you must have come through the labyrinth like the other one. The other one? Nico, of course. <gasps> And he's like, get back in the labyrinth right now and go on your merry way. And they're all like, no. (laughs) (laughs) We can't until we see Nico. (laughs) And Yoden's like, all right, then I gotta take you to see the boss. (laughs) And they're like, who's the boss? (laughs) So they walk down this uh, dirt path. It's Texas, so it's super hot. Uh, And it's like... I imagine it would be kind of a relief in a way. What? To, to go be inside? Warm? Oh, to be warm. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's like resting. I don't know. Depends on how they're dressed. If they're dressed <laughs> for being like cold, yeah. this would be hell. True. <laughs> but they like. If they're dressed like just jeans and a t shirt, this would yeah. be a pretty nice day. <laughs> so they see like more holy cows and they pass a corral full of fire breathing horses. Yikes. Yeah. Lots of interesting horses in this place. And Percy asks Uridium what the horses are for, and he says, we raise animals for lots of clients. Paolo, Diomedes, and others. Others? <laughs> that mean like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like the farm of the gods or whatever. It's the ranch of the gods, but then. Yeah. How many. Nefarious, as we yeah. find out. So they walk up this path and they've reached the big old ranch house it's up on top of a hill it's made out of white stone and wood there's windows everywhere it's like picturesque perfect ranch house kind of thing nice so uranium warns them not to start trouble draw weapons or comment on the boss's appearance (laughs) very fun so they walk up to like the deck you know and Mm -hmm. there's a new voice there welcoming them to triple g ranch and this guy's name is Mr. Garion. So Garion has no fewer than three bodies. <laughs> but he only has one head. One head. And two arms. Two arms. Three bodies. Two legs. Two legs. That's like, he's like an accordion in the middle. <laughs> it's so yeah, weird. Because his, like, torsos are attached to the chest. Mm-hmm. But it's like his, like, like there's space between them. Are there space? Is there space between them? Yeah, or is it says it just specifically. Like, yeah, it does. That there's like, I mean, it's like attached to the shoulder. Yeah. And then there's space where the armpit would be. And then his, like, he's attached down, I guess. That's so weird. Yeah, he's scary. I don't like him. And he was wearing, like, stoplight colored shirts on each chest. Yeah. And Percy wonders if how he dresses could, the middle you? one. <laughs> No, probably not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I put two. Le- he has two legs. Thank the gods, because what would that look like if he had three sets of legs? <laughs> Half of these monsters, it's like I don't know what they would look like. I, I think I would <laughs> I just like my mind would blow when I would see them. Like, wait, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're just kind of like, uh, h- hello, terrifying 
creature. Um, okay. And then <laughs> before they can talk about anything, Nico comes out of the ranch house. Surprise. Hi, Nico. <laughs> I picture him just, like, casually walking out and then, like, maybe, like, taking a sip of, like, some iced tea or something and, like, like with a straw and then seeing Percy and Paper slowly straw. letting it go and looking out, like, oh, no, they found me. <laughs> as much just, as like, I came... love that imagery, that is not at all what I thought of. Like, he comes out, like, casual, like, this is a d- good day. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, considering he looks thin, pale, and tired, and his clothes are all dusty, I don't think he's having a good day. Well, he still could have a nice iced tea in his hand. I imagine him storming out of the door with purpose. And being like, Garion, we have business to discuss. And then he sees Percy, and he's like, the hell are you doing here, Jackson? Can't he do that with a nice tea in his hand? Garion! <laughs> We have business to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, considering that Nico sees them and draws his sword. <laughs> puts not down his ice looking tea. good. And Garion somehow already knows all the squad's names. And he, he's like, put your sword away, young Nico. And Nico's like, <laughs> but don't you know who they are? That's... And Garion's like, I know Percy Jackson, Annabeth Chase, and two of their monster friends. And Grover and Tyson are like, what the heck? I know, I don't think they normally refer to satyrs as monsters. Yeah, it's not weird. Yeah, it's weird. So Garion quickly calms Nico down by threatening force from Uridian. (laughs) He's not going to make use force himself, he's going to make Uridian do it. And he's like, let's go on a tour of the ranch. So they all load into this, like, little train that <laughs> Percy calls the Moomobile <laughs> because it's painted in a cow pattern and has longhorns on the front. <laughs> so funny. And I love that Nico sits in the back so he can keep an eye on all of them. He's in the caboose. And then Meridian <laughs> sits next to Nico. <laughs> so funny. I want a picture of Nico sipping an iced tea in a caboose. With Isn't a cow caboose thing? on the front? No, a caboose is at the end. Don't you know trains? <laughs> the engine's on the front, the caboose is at the end, the car's in oh. the middle. Oh, I knew that. We live oh, in an area okay. with trains everywhere. I know, I don't How know do you why. Not know I, that? Say, I did know it. I just got confused for a second. <laughs> I don't know why. So they drive through the ranch, and Gary talks about like the huge operation that they have there. And they see fire-breathing horses that are bred for war, hundreds of Apollo sun cattle that are bred for meat, apparently. And Yummy. much to Annabeth's surprise, Hepelectrions. Hepelectrions. Which are an endangered species of what, Quinn? <laughs> Horse roosters. Horse chickens. <laughs> cock horses. That's what one of them, one website called them. The cock horses. Rooster horses. Ugh. Horse cockets. <laughs> yes, because they have it's the, so exciting. the front body of a horse and the back body of a chicken. Oh my god! Imagine the possibilities. You have like a white palomino horse and a like a ooh a Polish ter- Polish hen. They have like the they have they're the white fluffy ones. Oh. And oh, where like like there's like the big ones with the tails. <laughs> Ah, there's so many possibilities.
possibilities for that. There are. And it's supposed to be, like, so, like, they have the front legs. Their two front legs are horse, and their head is a horse. And then their two back legs are chickens, and their Mm -hmm. butt is a chicken. (laughs) Yes. And they lay eggs. They lay eggs! What? How? (laughs) (gasps) Um... It's complicated. It's a lot of evolution. <laughs> Depending on which god did what, which magical horse did who. <laughs> I don't know. And we'll talk about it in Oh My Gods, but... It's a little bit of a disappointing story on them, because there's not much to talk about. Well, win some, you lose some. But I love them. I love them so much. Annabeth is really upset because Garion sells the Hippolectrion's eggs for omelets, even though they're an endangered species, and he's not nice. So... Nico is uh, irritated he's that the store is taking so long. No, he's not. He's not a poacher. That's never mind. He's an exploitator. Exploitator? Yes. <laughs> Do, he, either way, eating an endangered species' eggs is illegal. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So Nico's like, oh, this is taking too long, Garion. We had business to discuss. And Garion's like, whatever. We'll get there when we get there. I'm in charge here. I'm driving this here moomobile young man. So <laughs> they pass a field that's crawling with the giant scorpions like they fought at camp. Ooh. And Percy remembers that the crates Quintus had in the arena filled with giant scorpions had the mm-hmm. Triple G Ranch logo on them. Yeah. And he says this out loud, as he does. Of course. And Garion, like, describes Quintus perfectly. He's like, short, gray hair. And Percy's like, yeah. And Garion's like, never heard of him. <laughs> and Percy's just like, what? Well, maybe Quintus used a different name. <laughs> because nobody knows who he was talking about. Because who else ordered a crate of scorpions <laughs> and sent it to Camp Half-Blood? True. <laughs> There's probably only one buyer like that. <laughs> Matches the description. But he could have used a different name. Yeah, I guess. Put it in the order. So the final animal they see on the tour is the flesh-eating horses, which live in vile conditions. They do. They live in stables filled with poop. So Garion claims that the horses like living in these conditions, but Euridian just chimes in that Garion's too cheap to have the stables <laughs> clean because they're flesh-eating horses, and who wants to get close to them? No, no one. one. So, Garion says that his clients pay him well, regardless of how the horses are kept, so he doesn't really care. And Grover's like, this is awful. Like, this cannot continue. Like, this is awful. Bad, bad, bad. And Percy and Annabeth are more concerned with the fact that Garion very obviously works for Kronos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because they're like, who are your clients? And he's like, "Mm, people. Who start wars and need to feed armies. Yep. Who else is making armies? (laughs) Well, it's just that he's supplying both sides of the war. Yeah, but he's not selling a bunch of demigods Apollo's cows. Nope. What are you looking at? I don't know. Um, (laughs) 
Like, what do you mean he's not selling the demigods Apollo's cows? Because they wouldn't eat Apollo's sacred cows. Well, yeah, but the gods are buying stuff from him. Oh, that's true. Um, it's just that Kronos, Luke, and his army are also buying stuff from him. Yeah. He's just not... I don't know, he's not... What's the word I'm looking for? Not discriminating. He's oh, yeah. like, he's not um, cutting out any possible seller or buyers. Yep. <laughs> he's a he's an entrepreneur, inclusive businessman. He's a opportunist. Yeah. And he's taking it up. He's taking advantage of the war that is brewing. By yeah. Some, by arming both sides. Yep. There you go. So. Garion just, like, randomly stops the Moomobile, and he just, like, gets out and is, like, standing at the flesh-eating horse thing, just, like, looking at him yeah. really randomly. I'm like, okay, but why? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, Garion observed a cactus. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's weird. There's, like, no point other than, like, Percy is conveniently there when he needs to be. Yeah. So, Nico, like, storms up to Gary, and he's like, we had a deal. Blah, blah, blah. And he says that his ghost said that Gary could lead them to the soul that he needs, that Nico needs. Yeah. And Percy's like, hold up. I thought I was the soul you needed. And Nico's like, ugh. Shut up, Percy. Why would you be worthy enough? Everything is not about you. (laughs) So, Gary's like, where is your ghost friend anyway? And Nico says it's hard for him to appear in daylight, to which Garion responds, I'm sure. Minos, Minos likes That's to... That's the second time you've called him Minos. <laughs> Minos likes to disappear when things get difficult. And Percy's like, wait, that's the ghost who's been giving you advice? Because he's seeing in his dreams how Minos yeah. is or was. And Garion's like, well, Luke Stellan is paying good money for half-bloods, especially powerful ones. <laughs> so, fun. So, um, Uridian secures Nico so that he can be taken up to the farmhouse and sold. Oh, yay! We're selling children now. Fabulous. Um, so this also must be, might be, I think it is the first time it's mentioned that Nico's blade is made of stitch. Stygian iron? Yeah, it is. It is, because I think it's the first appearance of it, really. Yeah, like the first, like, real... First time we see it. So where did he get it? He got it somewhere in the labyrinth. What else is made of Stygian stuff? Stygian? Stick. Stick. (laughs) Well, no, I think it's, like, made out of something from the the river Styx or something. I looked it up a while back, thinking I was going to talk about it, and then for some reason I didn't talk about it. The whistle that Quintus gives Percy is made out of Stygian ice. Oh! That's why I know what that is. Because it's Stygian (laughs) ice is made out of... Ice from the River Styx? Yeah. So Uh, iron made out of the River Styx? Maybe iron (laughs) that was cooled by the River Styx? Maybe. It was like, maybe it was like 
blessed in the river sticks or something like that. I don't know, but it's creepy and it's it's a good weapon. It is, and it's black, and Garion doesn't like it. <laughs> well, I wonder where he got it, because he didn't have it a while, like, just... There's a lot of things Nico didn't have yeah. a while back. Yep. So apparently Lucas paid off Garion to give the squad safe passage mm-hmm. through the ranch, which... That's weird. Why? But that doesn't include Nico, obviously. Yeah. So before Garion can take Nico back up to the ranch house, Percy... Wait. So do you think that <laughs> Luke, because Luke lets, he has paid Garion to let them go for safe passage? Yes. Is Luke, or does Luke want them to find Daedalus? Yeah. Because he wants the squad to get Ariadne's string. But I thought so he already can... figured out a way to navigate. Didn't he? Already figure out a way to navigate the maze? I don't think we know for sure. Oh, okay. So he might still be looking for the same thing. Okay. And he's probably hoping that, like, he could just follow them, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he's done with a lot of other things. Mm Mm-hmm. Like he did with the fleece. He wanted them to get it first so he could take it. Yeah. That's why he's the son of Hermes. He wants other people <laughs> to do the work, and then he'll steal it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Percy's like, okay, well, you're a businessman, Garion. Make me a deal. If I can clean the stables by sunset, we all go free, including Nico. If not, you sell us all. And Garion's like... Okay, I'll see you in, like, two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Prepare to get sold. So they all go take the moonmobile back up to the house and leave Percy conveniently. With the man-eating at the stables. At the man-eating stables. Hurrah. Ta-da! So, that brings us to chapter nine. I scoop poop. Two. Um, Infantile. Five. What? Infantile. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> Scoop poop. I'm a pooper scooper. <laughs> All right. You don't even, like, pick up your dog's poop. <laughs> they we they know to go into the high grass. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just... Scoop poop. I didn't think it was, like, that great of a chapter title. Scoop anyway. poop. <laughs> it does rhyme. That's that's good, Quinn. Good job. So Percy loses hope when he sees the horse's teeth. Have you seen the Brothers Grimm with Heath Ledger and Matt Damon? No, but this sounds amazing. It's quite amazing. <laughs> but there is a scene where a girl has, is swallowed by a horse. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It's like fairy tales. It goes with, like, there was, I don't know. With the Brothers Grimm stories? Mm-hmm. Wow. Shocker. I know, right? <laughs> uh, oh, who else is in it? I think Lena Headley? That might not be her last name. <laughs> Cersei from Game of Thrones is also in it. Oh. It's a very, it's an interesting movie. I wouldn't say it's a good movie. I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. But it's a fun movie. But there's a horse in it that eats people. And 
He has terrifying teeth. Mm. Has like spiders in it. And like is nasty. And that is what I'm thinking of when I'm seeing <laughs> these man eating horses. The gotcha. mares of Diomedes. Um, yes. Percy tries to talk to the horses in his mind, but they simply declare because he's like but I'm the son of Poseidon. And so the horses are like, oh, so you're both seafood. Nice. <laughs> you can both come in here. We'll eat <laughs> you up. So Percy remembers that Hercules had channeled the river before to clean out the stables and mm-hmm. his lovely challenges we've heard so much about. But the river is like way down the hill and it's way further than Percy thought it was going to be. So he's like, oh, I got to go down there and check it out. So he runs down there. And there he finds a naiad who's out of the water and able to speak to him. And Percy's like, are you a naiad? And she's like, of course I am. And he's like, but you're out of the water. And she's like, ugh, we are more than one dimension, Percy, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> and she I love her. Yeah, she's so cool. So she tells Percy that there's no way he's using her river to clean out those stables again. Because when Hercules did it, it poisoned her river. For yeah. years. And Percy, like, is talking to her and he's like, I have to do this. And she's like, no. And he realizes that she's afraid of him because she feels like she would lose in a fight. With yeah. Him. And she's he, defending her, her her home. Yeah. As all people would be, yeah, want to do. Yeah. And he just, like, decides that he's not going to fight her. He's like, you're right. And she's like, what? So, in return for not causing a fight, the naiad tells him a secret. Even when they're out of the water, the water is still within them. And Percy's like, what? So, he, like, she has him scoop up, like, a handful of dirt. And there's, like, a little piece of mollusk shells in it from the time the land was under the sea during the time when Gaia and Uranus reigned. So, basically, prehistoric era. Yes. It was... An ocean where basically America's southwest, or southwest was. Yeah. And west. And also everywhere. There was an ocean everywhere at yeah. one point. <laughs> but there was more of an ocean there than there is in other areas. Like, yeah. Like where we are up near uh, the Chicago area, that was more like glacier and forested swamp and stuff like that. Gotta get and, them great lakes. Yup. And then in, like, the West, it was like, yeah, we're an ocean. Yeah. Grand Canyon. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't that formed by a glacier? No, I think that was just, like, formed by a river going steadily through rock for millions of years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, So Percy's, like, confused, of course. And he's like, what does this mean? And she's like peace and she just goes in back into the water and leaves him alone so he like takes this handful of dirt and runs back up the hill to the stables the sun is almost set he only has until sunset to clean out the stables and he doesn't have any idea what to do with this handful of dirt and shells yeah so in frustration he throws them into the stables and creates water geysers yeah that's crazy yeah, and they I, just start spouting and dissolve the poop. <laughs> would they have happened? Would that have happened if a non-son of Poseidon would have done it? No, 
Or would it was it like a gift from that Nyan? No. No. I don't think it was a gift. I think it's because he has like water the connection. Power. Okay. power. Water power power. Yeah. Water. <laughs> water powder power. So he keeps water power power, yeah. He keeps like digging up more dirt and finding more shells. Um and creating more geysers to the point where I like the effort to maintain control over the water is, like, painful. So he almost loses control of it, but he's able to stop it all before it runs back downhill to the river. Yeah. And voila, lay stables are clean. I think this is some of the biggest, like, that's, like, I feel like this is some of the biggest water stuff that we've seen from Percy. Yeah. Like, water control action. Because usually he is, like, standing in or right next to an actual body of water. And in this case, he's just, like... He's bas- he's completing deep. his own... Or he's creating. I said completing, I think. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, he is creating his own water, like, bo- own body of water. And he's controlling it. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. Yeah. Because, like, nuts. think of, like, book one when he's in Waterworld and has yeah. to, like, base like... Pray to the inner (laughs) Pray to everybody. And now he's just like, oh. But it, like, physically hurts him to do it. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's just because it's like the first time flexing some muscles type thing. (laughs) Yeah, probably. So, ta-da, he has saved his friends. And he makes the fleshy horses. Well, he saved Nico. Well, yeah, that's true. Promise they won't eat humans anymore, which, yeah, right. <laughs> and then he runs back up to the ranch house. Um, so, Garion has the place, like, decorated for a little party. <laughs> and is barbecuing. And the squad and Nico are all tied up in the corner. Oh, nice. And Garion refuses to let them all go. And says that Percy didn't make him swear on the river sticks, so the deal's not binding. Oh, man's word counts for nothing in this world. Nope. So, in response, Percy just draws Riptide and prepares to fight. Mm-hmm. And Garion's like, ugh, Uridian, kill him. And Uridian's like, kill him yourself. Yeah. I'm tired of being your <laughs> man. Yeah. So, basically, Uridian tells him to leave him alone. And he's like, you pick fights for no good reason. I'm tired of dying for you. And Percy thinks to himself that this is the least Ares-like thing he's ever heard. <laughs> so Percy has to fight Garion instead. So he they're fighting, blah, blah, blah. He manages to stab Garion through the middle heart. And Garion's like, I've got three hearts. Built-in backup system, buddy. Yeah. And he just heals. And Percy realizes he has to hit Garion, all three of them at the same time. How do you do that? Well... You do it by running into the ranch house, grabbing the bow and arrow off the wall, praying real hard to Artemis and Apollo to help his arrow, your arrow shoot true, and then you wait until Garion comes into the house, and then you shoot him with one arrow through all three hearts at the same time. Wow. Thump, 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 as it says. <laughs> thump, thump, thump. Is that the heart beating or the heart getting hit by the arrow? The heart getting hit by the arrow. I would think it would be a... Thump, 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 thump. Gross. Anyway, 
Uh, thanks, Artemis and Apollo. <laughs> so, Garion dissolves into dust. Huzzah! <sighs> and disturbingly, as Garion dies, he says, You can't shoot. They told me you can't shoot. So people are like, not only has Luke paid him off to not uh, mess with the ki- mess with the squad, mm-hmm. he's also told him about their strengths and weaknesses, and that just makes me concerned. And it's like, who else has he been telling people strengths and weaknesses? Yeah, everybody probably, mm-hmm. and as long as it'll help him. So, Percy- do you think he's doing the same thing for Annabeth? Like, going in and being like, this is her weakness, don't... Oh, yeah. Here's how to exploit it. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Okay, yeah. Okay. Percy unties Annabeth and Grover and Tyson and Nico. And then he sacrifices some of Garion's barbecue to Artemis and Apollo to thank them for helping him shoot Garion and for being his biggest fans. No. <laughs> And Nico and Grover are in favor of tying Euridian up and, like, I guess just abandoning him on the ranch to fend for himself. Like, <laughs> let's tie him up and leave him here. <laughs> I think he would probably be able to get him get yeah. out. He's Which a capable cow man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Euridian, or Percy is like, mm, let's not do that. And he, like, asks Euridian some questions, of course. And apparently Iridium was offered immortality by Ares. We don't really know why. And he accepted it, and now he regrets his decision because he's essentially stuck on this ranch forever yeah. doing Garion's dirty work, and he's sick of it. And Percy is like, well, maybe you can just turn the ranch around and stop feeding armies and mistreating the animals. And when Garion comes back in a 100 years... It'll be a different place. You think it'll be only be a hundred years? I don't know. Probably not. Maybe less. So, Uranian is not going to stop them from leaving. Because he's like, whatever, I don't care. He doesn't care well, he, Yeah, and, and he, when they arrived, he was just like, go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't listen. So, he just wants to farm in peace, or ranch in peace. Yeah, he does. And nobody has Iris messaged Luke's army about Nico yet. But Uridian says that he doesn't know who paid for the safe passage yeah. for the squad. So it but might I'm not like, be Luke. Yeah, it might not be, but we're assuming it is, because who else would it be? Quintus? Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah, Quintus. Quintus. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know. If it, I don't know. What if, I almost don't want to say because what if I'm right? That's such a strange thing. I know. So I believe, this is my theory, and if I'm right, I'm sorry for spoiling things, but if I'm wrong, or if I'm, yeah, if I'm right, I'm cool. (laughs) Though I did read these books a long time ago, and I um, but my theory is that Quintus is Daedalus and in, like, a robot form. Like, Daedalus made a robot like he is be- was supposed to be making for Kronos, that Kronos wants him to make oh. a, um, 
what's the word? Automaton body. Automaton body. Uh, in for Kronos to live in, but I think that Daedalus made his own automaton body back in the old old days after Icarus fell, and put himself into it so that he could survive the eons. Well, oh well. However long. Yeah. And. Could be. And I think that he's sort of like wants them to succeed on their quest, but doesn't want to make it easy for them. I don't think Daedalus is Quintus. No? But I do think that Daedalus probably has made himself body parts as his have failed him because he's like approximately like 2,000 years old at this point. Yeah. If he's even still alive. It's true. We're going to find out eventually. Yeah. We're only <laughs> 10 chapters in. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, Nico's safe. Okay, Uridian doesn't know who paid him off. Uh, Nico is not happy about Percy helping him. He was, like, really desperately clinging to being angry at Percy. Yeah. Like, he wants to be angry at Percy. Mm-hmm. To have someone to blame. Yeah. It's just that. He, yeah. He wants someone to blame. And well, it might be natural. more than that. Wink, wink to those who have read <laughs> things. But, I mean, it's normal when you lose someone to be angry, you know? Yeah. So And he was he looked up to Percy. He thought so yeah. much. He thought this was going to be a like his hero. This was Percy could do no wrong in his eyes and yeah. he did the biggest wrong. He let his <laughs> sister die. Biggest possible thing that could have happened happened. Mhm. And it's not like it was Percy's fault, but in Nico's eyes it's you were my hero. You could do anything. Yeah. How could you not save her? Yep. It's, it's hard. It is. It's sad. And don't forget, he's like 12, so. Mm-hmm. Percy says that Bianca wouldn't want to be back. And Nico's like, how do you know? Like, you didn't even know her. And Percy has the genius idea <laughs> to just ask Bianca. Because as course. if Nico hadn't already thought of that. Yeah. And Nico has already thought of that. <laughs> And Bianca has not responded to him, no matter what. Mm-hmm. So but you never know now that Percy's here. Yeah. Percy feels sure that Bianca will respond with him being there. And he's like, oh, Bianca is the one who's been sending me the Iris messages. I have no idea how he came to this conclusion, but as soon as he did, I was like, that is genius. Yeah. Like... <laughs> like... <laughs> I know, it's so random. It's just like, oh, it was Bianca. Like, what... How did he figure oh that God. out? <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> as unhappy as he is about it, Nico agrees to the plan. And Uridian even jumps on board and donates a cooler full of root beer in the septic tank pit outback. Ew. If you don't know what a septic tank is, it's a tank full of poop in your yard. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's actually full of poop, is it? There's some poop in there. (laughs) (laughs) If you live out in the country, you have a septic tank. Yeah. Even if... Sometimes you don't have to live out in the country to have a septic tank. Yeah, that's true. We have septic here, and last year the pipes got cold and then uncolded, and I watched water come out of the grass. Yeah. And it freaked me out. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> when it like overflow or like when it gets too full or whatever. Yeah. Um, my grandma, they had an exchange student and they uh, kept flushing down those wet wipes. Oh, ouch. Um, and it clogged their septic tank in the middle of winter when it was like last year when it was like negative 10 every day. Oh my gosh. That's not good. No, it isn't. They had to move into a hotel for a week. <laughs> I think I remember you telling me that. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's a big pit. It's like six feet deep. It's, I mean, six feet long. I don't um, know. How yeah, long are they're they? like. It depends. It depends. They're yeah, they can be big. Like ours would probably be a lot smaller than what a ranch might have. Yeah, a ranch would have a big septic tank. They might have like a field. Yeah, I don't know why we're assuming that people don't know what septic tanks are. I don't know. I don't know, maybe if you have lived in a city your whole life, you might not know. I don't know. Anyway. It's not fun when water comes out of your grass. Now, we are on chapter 10. <laughs> we play the game show of death. Game show of death. Three and a half. Four. I can go up, <laughs> but I don't know why. I felt like I get, was too generous on nine, so I went um, low for <laughs> ten. I don't know. It just sounded funny, and just, like, imagine, like, your grandma... Like, switching from, like, her like soap operas like, to, yeah. like, the game show of death. <laughs> Instead of, what's the... Like, Days of our come lives. Come on down! <laughs> oh, my God. The price is right. Yeah. And we are the con- next contestant on the price is right. <laughs> or, like, I'm who saying. wants to be a millionaire? Yeah. Smart than a fifth You're year. the next contestant on We Play the Game Show of Death. Wait, no. You're the it would be contestant on the game, on the game <laughs> show of death. There you go. That's how it I don't it know. Be. It just cracks me up. I like the sound of it. It's a fun idea. It's like, don't they have an episode of Supernatural where they play like a game like that? It's, yeah, it's in the um, one with the trickster where they live all these like different lives. And I feel like you know the title of it. I do. I just can't think of it. <laughs> I want to say it's the French Connection, but I don't know. It's not the French Connection, and I. It's weird that I know that (laughs) because I don't watch the show. (laughs) No, but I know it. If I think of it later, I'll say it. Um, But yeah, and it's not a fun game show that they have to play on that (laughs) episode. So before they play the uh, game show of death, (laughs) I love that Uncle Rick. You're welcome. (laughs) Makes a point of the septic tank. Being painted yellow with Happy Flushed Disposal Co. on the side. (laughs) And it's like, he makes a point of it, like, contrasting with the mood of summoning spirits. Yeah, it's a big contrast. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, it's not necessary for that to be in the book. No. But it's funny. Yeah. And I like it. It's a, yeah. (laughs) A little bit of... It's a Uncle Rick appreciation. Thank you for making unnecessary details fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they wait until after dark. Uh, They're at the pit for the septic tank. They fill it with root beer and whatever. And Nico starts chanting in ancient Greek. And how does Nico know this? Maybe it's just a demigod thing. Like Percy, he just kind of knows. Yeah. 
Well, like, Percy understands how to read ancient Greek. Did so maybe he... different demigods get differing amounts of Greek knowledge type thing. Or is it just because he's a son of Hades? Could be that he's a son of Hades. Also, I think he, um, isn't he Italian? So he would probably know Latin. I, wow, where did that come from? No, wait, no, he's Italian and then he's from, like, the 1940s. So he probably would have been taught Latin in school. That's where it came from. I think. I'm just just so funny because it's, like, the most random (laughs) question ever. Well, he's Italian, which we haven't actually been told for sure. (gasps) Yeah, we have. He's D'Angelo. It's Italian. (laughs) All Italians must know Latin. I'm not saying currently every Italian that's alive knows Latin. I'm saying he's a demigod who is Italian. He probably knows Latin. knows Latin. (laughs) A language that's been slowly dying for thousands of years. Not quite technically dead. But he is the child of the god of the underworld, who is the god of the dead. He's Italian, the so he dead language. <laughs> he knows that he automatically knows dead languages. Oh, uh, and <laughs> Greek isn't even Latin. We're talking about ancient Greek, not Latin. Alright, that's an even deader language. He knows it even better. People still speak Greek. It's less dead than Italian. No, Latin. Less dead than Latin. You said Italian. <laughs> I'm so confused. Doesn't I, matter. He's speaking. He's speaking ancient Greek. I was suggesting that King Minos has been helping him because oh, okay. just like Percy. <laughs> Who needs help sometimes? Nico probably needs help sometimes, and he's been all buddy buddy with the Ghost King. So you're suggesting that King, King. Minos and Nico are basically like Minos is having some nice like I don't know language lessons with them, in order to manipulate him into doing what he wants. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they're like going like in conjugating in the <laughs> labyrinth. Like what was the yeah. French conjugation song that we had to learn? The, like, the pom-pom thing. Don't you remember that in, like, Madame Chambres? Oh, uh, no, because I literally blacked out as much as I could of that. God, that was an awful... My brain is fabulous. <laughs> um, there is large spaces of my life that I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think that's normal, but anyway. <laughs> Speaking of King... Minos... <laughs> He's still suspiciously missing for about 12 seconds. Until he's not. <laughs> and he appears just to drink from the pit before immediately hating on Percy and trying to convince Nico that the squad are trying to deceive him. And Oh, Nico, you said hating on. I thought you said hitting on for a second. And I was like, that is a different book. Yes. <laughs> Minos shows up and is like, hey, Percy Jackson. <laughs> Haven't reached that point yet. <laughs> Nico, like, tries to dismiss the king, the ghost king, and keeps talking, but the ghost king keeps talking about how Daedalus will never help them, 
and how he's still guilty of murder. We haven't gotten to that yet. Nope. And he tells Nico to let him turn the squad's minds to madness, as he did the others. And Annabeth's like, wait, it was you who made Chris Rodriguez go insane? What? And Minos is like, yeah. <laughs> what yeah, you gonna do no about shame. it? No shame about it. Nope. And he's like, the labyrinth is my property, not that of Daedalus. I can do what I want. Um, I think deed of property, does deed of property go away when you're dead? Probably. <laughs> think so. I don't have any rights to it anymore. <laughs> you're dead. So Nico, like, finally dismisses him so that Bianca can come. So can he, like, only handle one at a time? You know oh, what I mean? maybe. Because he's still a baby? Maybe. I haven't waited. Or maybe maybe he just doesn't want Minus around for when he talks to his sister. True. He just like he I felt like he had to get rid of Minos or like Bianca wouldn't be able to come. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe not. But he calls on Bianca to appear at the pit and she does. <laughs> and it's hard on Percy to see her like this. Yeah, because she's dead. Yeah. They're looking at a dead friend. Yep. It's depressing. Yeah, and he still feels kind of guilty about her death, even though it wasn't his fault. Mm-hmm. She and she's just like, "Hey, Percy, wasn't your fault." <laughs> yeah, and poor Nico like falters and stops chanting and like runs up to her, and she just gets this like sad look on her face and like turns to him like, "Oh God, it's a." <laughs> it was so hard. He yeah. worked so hard to get to her and or and just to talk to her, and she's just like, I don't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. You should be moving on. You shouldn't be talking to me. You shouldn't be. Yeah. And he's like, why haven't you answered me? I've been calling you for months. And she's like, oh, I was hoping that if I didn't respond, you, you would give up. And I'm like... She's literally ghosting him. Yeah. I'm like, what? Like, who? Why? Like, if somebody's calling you and you ignore the call five times, it doesn't make the person not want to talk to you. Especially when you're dead and he's having no problem connecting to any other dead person. Yeah. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. And, like... You're both the child of dead, like, the god of the dead. Right. So she's probably having, like, a pretty darn good life down there. She just needs to, Mm -hmm. like, show her face and be like, hey, Nico, I'm fine being in Isilium... Or wherever it is. The field, not fields of Athens. What is it? The, I don't know. The good place. Elysium. No, I think that's the super, super good place, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, um, I've been trying to stop saying so, so much to transition (laughs) back. It bugs me. But... Usually, just talking to somebody about something is better than ignoring them. Yeah. Life lessons. Uh Uh-huh. Bianca calls Nico out, kind of, because she's like... You said life lessons? Yeah. Bianca's not alive. It's a lesson for death as well. (laughs) Bianca basically calls Nico out on his shit, because she's like, it's not even Percy you're mad at, you're mad at me! Yeah. For leaving you alone and then dying. And leaving you with absolutely nothing but a handful of mythomagic cards and clothes on your back. Mm-hmm. And 
I would be mad too. Yeah. And she's like, you have to promise to forgive and move on. It's the children of Hades' fatal flaw to hold grudges. And Nico's like, I just want you back. And she's like, no. She tells him to stop trying. Yeah. You're not getting me back. Move right. on. But Nico's power is drawing the attention of Kronos. So he thought it was Hades, but apparently it's Kronos. Uh-oh. Which is even more terrifying. Yeah. So the spirits, including Bianca, leave the squad and Nico alone with a pit of root beer and a happy septic tank. <laughs> so everyone sleeps in Garion's house that night. Much better nice. than sleeping on the ground in the labyrinth. Yeah. Oof. And Uridian just does not care what they do. He's like, whatevs. So Percy has a dream about Luke dressed for battle and walking through the palace on on Mount Hamilpay. Yeah, Mount Orphis? Orphis? I think that's what it is. The, Whatever. The palace? Yeah. Oh. Or is but there, it's like yeah. a fully formed building now. It's not just like crumbled up ruins. Yeah. Which is scary. Which means that their power is basically there. Yeah. They're basically complete. Right. And one more soul. Luke does not have his sword, which Percy notices. He is not half backbiter with him. Mm-hmm. And Kelly the Impusa brings Campy mm-hmm. into like to talk to Luke and Campy asks Luke to allow her to join their cause and work to bring the squad down because she's mad that they rescued Briaries. And Luke regrets that Campy is out of Tartarus. He says that she's too chaotic, and they should have left her there. Kelly basically just asks Luke if everything's ready. He responds almost, and then Kelly attacks Percy again, blah, blah, blah. He starts having a different dream, and we find ourselves again with Daedalus, but this time at the top of a strange tower, <gasps> not in the workshop. Yeah. Daedalus is up there, like, working at his, like, work desk and stuff, and this little boy, Perdix, Daedalus's nephew, comes running up to him, and he's all, like, excited and cheerful, and he's showing him the projects he's been working on and these, like, little bronze bugs, and Daedalus is like, ew, child. And Perdix goes to the window, and he's looking out, and Daedalus looks at him, and he thinks, hmm, I wonder if I could just make him fall out the window. So he just throws a bronze bug past him. Perdix reaches for it, reaches too far, gets caught by the wind, and falls to his death. Because Daedalus is the worst. Yeah. And <laughs> Daedalus is just like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> What's wrong with this person? I don't know. He, I feel like he just like went a little crazy after Icarus. Yeah. Then. You would think he would see Perdix as like an exciting thing. Yeah, it's like a, it, 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 it's a second chance to yeah. have a kid. And this one is seems to be very similar in, like, sort of interests as Daedalus. Right. So you would think that they would get along. And instead... Daedalus kills him. Yeah. Pretty messed up. And guess who's not happy about it? Ooh, the one person, well, one of many people you really don't want to mess with. Athena. Athena. <laughs> so Athena starts speaking to Daedalus... Telling him that he will pay the price for killing Perdix, who had her blessing. 
And Daedalus is like, oh, well, I've already lost everything. I'm already suffering. I'll suffer in the afterworld and beyond, blah, blah, blah. And Athena's like, mm, nope, you don't get it. Yeah. You're going to really suffer. And he's also like, I thought I had your blessing. And look at what, look where <laughs> I am. What? It's not that great a blessing. Thank you very much. <laughs> True. But, yeah, I wouldn't want to make Athena mad. No. He gonna suffer. So he collapses, apparently suddenly in searing pain, and Percy wakes up. So Percy, it's still like the middle of the night, and Grover and Percy are sleeping on the couches in the living room, and Grover is not sleeping, so he asks Percy if he's okay. And he's been, Grover has been watching the Nature Channel, and he tells Percy that it's been seven days since they entered the labyrinth. And even though it feels like it's only been like a couple of days for them. Yeah. Because time is different. Which means that Grover's time limit to find Pan is up. It's been a week. So that means he can't return to Camp Half-Blood unless he right. finds Pan. Yeah. If he finds Pan, everything will be fine. If he doesn't find Pan, he will never be able to return to Juniper ever again. And he'll lose his searcher's license. Yeah, which is everything. What else, what can you do as a satyr who can't go home, has no job, what's a, literally, what, do what's do? a satyr to do? Where's a safe haven for them? Like, yeah, they could like, go further into the wilderness. Are there, like, satyrs living wild and free, you know? Yeah, satyrs working in all the coffee shops in America. <laughs> yeah, or, like, living in the forests in rural England or something. Mm-hmm. Who knows, you know? What's he gonna do? He's so worried about spoiling Juniper. I feel like they would... I feel like there would be a satyr population in, like, Brazil or something. (laughs) Yeah, like cleaning up the beaches by eating everything. (laughs) So, Grover... Percy reassures Grover that he is the champion goat boy, and everything will be okay. But Grover just eats the remote and goes to sleep. Aww, and now they can't change it from the nature channel. (laughs) (laughs) Could get up and press the buttons. So in the morning, the squad says goodbye to Euridian and Nico. Percy tries to convince Nico to come with them, but Nico says that he needs time to think. And Euridian is basically totally on their side now. Like, yeah. He's just like, go forth and do good, guys. And he's and, got his dog, and he's like, yeah. this is a good greyhound cow dog for some reason. <laughs> and he just this, has this whole ranch to himself for the next hundred years. Things are looking good. Yeah. So he says Nico can stay at the ranch as long as he needs to. And he has all these plans for, like, befriending the flesh, eating horses, and entering the next rodeo with them and all this stuff. <laughs> so he mentions that they will now return to searching for Daedalus's workshop and though he doesn't know where it is he says that Hephaestus probably will and uh, he's like oh I have something that'll help you and he just takes off this necklace that he apparently wears all the time <laughs> and hands it to Annabeth and it's like a silver disc on the chain and it has like a button on it and apparently Hephaestus gave him this necklace as a thank you for playing a trick on Ares and Aphrodite, and Euridian now just wears it every day, doesn't take it off. Well, it's a gift from the gods. True. Definitely shipping Hephaestus and Euridian at this point, though. (laughs) (laughs) 
okay. <laughs> I guess I can see it, but also. Well, they had a spat. Who? Uridian and Hephaestus, and that's why Uridian says he doesn't ha- need to see the forges, young lady. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Because Annabeth's like, wait, Hephaestus gave this to you, and now you're giving it to me? Why? And Uridian blushes and says that he doesn't need to see the forges. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm with you, I'm with you. <laughs> We're shipping Hephaestus and Uridian. <laughs> but they're both immortal, you know, so their spats last a long time. Exactly. <laughs> But their their on moments also last a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm rolling with it. <laughs> I enjoy it. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> uh, he says that the necklace will lead them to Hephaestus. It's just hit the push button, so Annabeth does, and it turns into a silver spider, which Annabeth shrieks and drops. Yeah. And the spider scuttles past the cattle guard into the labyrinth. The squad says their goodbyes to Uridian, and then they head back into the maze. I love that when it happens, Uridian's just like, whoa, what's wrong with her? Like, I'm sorry, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Like, and they're like, oh, she just has a spider issue. We have yeah. to go by. <laughs> you know, Athena. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. So the squad follows the spider into the labyrinth, and they have to sprint to keep up with it because it's going so fast, and if it weren't for Tyson and Grover, they would have lost it. Yeah. Because Tyson and Grover have that awesome hearing. So the spider leads them into a room full of skeletons. Fun. Um, of varying degrees of decay. Ooh. The uh, vomit. And a sphinx has set up camp here, challenging people to deadly trivia questions. And Percy remembers that Tyson was attacked by a sphinx when he was homeless in the streets of New York City. And Annabeth is like, all right, I got this. Yeah, she should. (laughs) Yeah. So she goes up to the podium and, like, the sphinx knows her name, which always weirds me out. All these people know who they are already. And she has to, the sphinx tells Annabeth to fill in the bubble test sheet and she answers the it's questions. It's like a scantron. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word. And Annabeth is prepared but not in the way that she like expects to be prepared because the, the questions are all just random trivia. Like it's not riddles at this point. Yeah. It's just like what is the capital of what, Bulgaria or something like mm-hmm. that. So Annabeth's like what? Like why happened to the riddles? Yeah. And the Sphinx is like well Everybody already knows them. <laughs> <laughs> and Annabeth gets so fed up, she refuses to answer the questions. And the Sphinx declares that they shall all die. So they fight the Sphinx. Tyson rips out her grading machine, which is really funny. And she's like, how can I be exceptional without my grading machine? And the bars lift on the tunnel behind the Sphinx. The squad runs toward it. Uh, Grover places reed pipes to make some trees grow out of some pencils that were on the floor. They ens- ensnared the Sphinx, and they run into the tunnel. And then the bars go down. Ta-da! Whoa! Boom. Yeah. End of chapter 10. We made it. In honor of the Sphinx, I want to give you a riddle. Can you do it? Sure. Are you up for a riddle? Yeah. What eight-letter word 
Not making any guarantees, but go for it. I know. I feel like this is going to be too hard. I'm going to get enough. No, I kind of want to hear it, though. Can we just... Okay. Can we hear it? What eight-letter word can have a letter taken away and it still makes a word? Take another letter away and it still makes a word. Keep on doing that until you have one letter left and it always makes a word. What, what word? What's the word? The word is starting. Wait, yeah. Starting. And that it says starting, staring, string, sting, sing, sin, uh, in, I. You didn't even give me a chance. Sorry. Did you want to like a pause and think about it? Too late now. <laughs> All right. Give me a different Here, one. Okay. <laughs> the more you take, the more you leave behind. What am I? The more you take, the more you leave behind. Mm-hmm. Photographs. Nope. Damn. It's close, though. You're in the right sort of area. Notes? It's sort of like in the, in, with, you, with the photograph. So when you go on a camping, or when you go on a hike in a national park and you have to leave no. Footprints. Mm-hmm. Leave nothing but Footprints. Leave nothing but footprints, take nothing but pictures. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> what has a head, a tail, is brown and has no legs? It's, what, what, what? <laughs> I was distracted by the so, yeah. <laughs> what has a head, a tail, is brown and has no legs? A coin. What kind of coin? A penny. A penny! <laughs> An American penny. Oh, or a pence. Yeah. Yeah. Or a Canadian penny. I don't know any other. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Australian currency looks like. They have dollars, though. Are there brown euros? No. Um, all right. Or gold and silver. Okay, are you ready for... Oh, my God! Oh, my God! All right. So, right now we're going to be talking about the cattle of the sun, also known as Apollo's holy cows, <laughs> also known as the cal- cattle of Helios, also known as the cattle of Apollo, or even the oxen of the sun. It basically, it's a sacred herd of 50 cattle owned by whoever's in tro- control of the sun, be it ah. Helios or Apollo, depending on... Who's decided what? <laughs> um, I sort of like the idea of Helios c- being in control of them, and then when because in I think Titan's Curse, we talk when Apollo's talking about his chariot of the sun. He talks about how he has taken up the job of pulling the sun right um, from Helios because he has retired. And I feel like that's a new way, of, or that was a way of saying faded way. So mm-hmm. I wonder if once Helios uh, faded, Apollo took up all of his duties and, in turn, his cows. Could be. So the cattle lived on the island of Thrinyskia. Thri- wait. Thrinyakia. 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 <laughs> the cattle lived on the isle, island of Thrinia Thrine- and if you know the correct way of pronouncing it, good for you. 
<laughs> um, where they... Thrinacha. Thrinacha? Hmm. I don't know. Where... <laughs> but, so on this island, they were guarded by the daughters of Helios. Um, Phaethia, Phaethusa, and Lempetia. Lempeti. 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 Sure. Um, basically, two titan daughters of Helios. And their job was to protect the cattle, and then there was also, like, a scattering of sheep and stuff. And sheep, what's, sheep. what's special about these cattle? They're red. They are red because of the sun. <gasps> okay, Cat. so there are some myths that be- that involved involve the cattle of the sun. And that brings us to our favorite man in the world. There's only two that we ever talk about. Well, actually three. <laughs> and this is Odysseus. So, oh. w- while on the Odysseus, uh, or Odyssey, at the beginning of his Odyssey, Odysseus, this is basically like maybe the, f- like I think it might be like the fourth stop. So he still has men. He's made some friends along the way, gotten some advice, and he has gotten a warning by this point in the in the Odyssey from both Circe and the blind prophet Tiresias to avoid this island at all cost. And if you do go there, whatever you do, do not eat the cattle. One rule. Don't eat the cattle. It's going to be tempting. Don't do it. Don't do it. Like, they were like, it's going to be so tempting, don't even go near the island. And he's just, But it turned out basically because of, they were uh, becalmed, like their, the ship was becalmed, they weren't going anywhere, the winds weren't taking them anywhere, they were running low on rations, they basically, they had the, the option... The universe conspired. Yes. They had either, either they were going to die of, of starvation on their boat. Or they could stop at this island. And Odysseus is like, fine. We're going to stop here. We are not going to eat. We are going to refresh our water supply. We're going to take a nice nap. Relax a bit. Going to wait for the wind to return. We're going to head out. Find some apples. Odysseus is exhausted by the time they get to this island. And so he prays to the gods and he's just like, hey, can you help me take, like, have a good night's sleep? I haven't slept in days. Love a nice night's sleep. And the gods are so nice. They answer his prayers. Nice. Unfortunately, as soon as he closes his eyes, one of his more mischievous men sort of goes, hey, everybody, you hungry? I'm hungry. Guess what? There's cows over there. They told Odysseus not to eat them. They didn't tell us not to eat them. I'm special. Yep, we're special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Odysseus wakes up in the morning. Cows have been eaten. Their bones. There's a night. There's a leg roasting on the, I don't know, fire. It's a nice Yikes. spit going. I lost my spot. <laughs> um, 
And as soon as he realizes that the his men have eaten the cows, he prays to Zeus. And he's like, Zeus, 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 hey man. My men, my men did this. I did not do this. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. Please don't punish me. Please don't punish whatever. Like, I'm sorry that these men did this. It's just, we're hungry, we're starving, blah, blah, blah. And Zeus, surprisingly, is like, Odysseus, we told you not to do the thing, and what did you do? The thing. (laughs) I'm not going to punish you right now, but I can't say that I won't punish you later. Because Zeus wasn't immediately offended, but he couldn't say the same for Helios, whose cows have just been eaten and the gods like their cows don't mess with the gods cows they get very angry i think that's why it was so shocking in the uh book when the uh when what's his name oh my god garion garion is saying that he eats the cows cattle on exactly. the regular on and the Apollo regs is too busy to notice yeah He's because the they're not Apollo's cows, they're Helios's cows. He's an, it's inherited cows. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So he's not immediately in trouble with Zeus, but basically, as soon as he hangs up the phone with Zeus, Helios finds out that his cows have been eaten. His his daughters came running home like, Dad, we did everything we could. Couldn't stop him. We're just poor women. Couldn't stop these 20 malnutritioned men. <laughs> uh, malnutritioned. <laughs> was scurvy, probably. <laughs> um, so Helios is like, all right. And he storms to Zeus. And he's just like, Zeus. You better do something to punish this guy or else I'm going to take that sun that I carry every single day across the sky to make sure the sun comes up in the morning. I'm going to take that down to the underworld. There's going to be sunshine in the lands of the dead, the people in the lands of the living. It's going to be nighttime for the rest of the time. (laughs) How miserable. How miserable. And Zeus is like, oh, well... I do like Odysseus, and I told him that I wasn't going to punish him immediately. But I do have to, like, I don't know, keep everybody else on Earth alive. So, (laughs) they sent him some wind, and Odysseus was like, Hurrah! We can get away from this island. They all pile onto the boats with fresh stores full of red cow meat. And they start to sail away. And as soon as they get into the open ocean, Zeus hurls down a lightning boat and smites that. Pow! Smites that boat right out of the water. Odysseus is the only survivor. Oh, boy. Hurrah! Don't mess with the god's cows. Don't do it, y'all. And now for the Hippolectrion. The hippo, a hippolectrion is a chicken horse, a horse with the front, with the chicken in the back. Hippolectrion comes from the word, the Greek words, elektrion, which is rooster or cock, and hippos, which is horse. So, hippolectrion 
is literally rooster horse or cock horse, whichever you prefer. Hmm. Whatever. <laughs> there are no known myths where this guy makes an appearance, unfortunately. But they do, they only appear in early Athenian vase paintings. And there is a theory that they might have been early artists' attempts at the winged horse, the <laughs> Pegasus, which is, I think that's an interesting idea. Like they were just real bad at painting wings, so it just kind of looked like a chicken. Mm-hmm. They, they, <laughs> they didn't know if, like, all right, we want a horse with wings. Does it have to have the chicken body, too? Hmm. Sketch it out. Uh, it's a little weird looking. Let's do a few more. <laughs> and then they decided, nah, we don't need to do this anymore. Eagle wings. Eagle wings. That's why it's an endangered species. Yeah. Because it was so briefly a thing. Yeah. That's hilarious. I love it. Hippolectrion. I want to ride one. But they like, I don't know, will they walk like a chicken like or a horse? It says in the book that the chicken legs add a little extra spring to their stuff. Ooh, so they're sort of like bouncing. Mm-hmm. That's fun. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Sounds like motion sickness waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. It's, I'd probably be like sort of like riding a camel with an ostrich. <laughs> yeah. mi- mix of riding a camel with mix riding an os- ostrich. And that's riding a hippolytrion. <laughs> All right. All right. Ready for bring on the monsters? Yeah, eat. All right. So we are going to be talking about Geryon, Eurydian, and Orthus, which without, you can't really talk about one without talking about the other because they're basically all a part of the same story. Um, okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. And. It's our other favorite. I know. We can't talk about these guys without talking about our other favorite. Tell me God. Heracles or Heracles, whichever you prefer. I'm going to call him Heracles. Or I'll try. I might end up slipping into Hercules. Herc. Depends. Okay. So we have talked about Hercules and his... Oh, see? There I go. Right away. Right away. I'm just going to do it. I'm gonna go, he's Hercules now. Whatever. Same I tried. I, I wrote his name all the time in, as Heracles, just so I could practice thinking like that. It didn't work. Uh, so, we have talked about Hercules and his labors before. I also spelled labors like a British person, with the extra oo, with the u. Is it that how, like, you don't spell that, right? You don't. L-A-B. Is it O-R or O-U-R-S? There's no U. I think the British way is U. And I have no idea why I would have picked that up. (laughs) Um, maybe you read it somewhere. I know. I feel maybe one of the books I read was the British spelling, but strange. But I spelled it like that most of the places that I wrote it. Um, That's nice. <laughs> so we, we've talked about him before, but basically, recap: it's Hercules got tricked into killing his wife by Hera, er, wife and children by Hera, and now he has to redeem himself. And to do that, he has to complete twelve labors set to him by his envious cousin, King Eurystheus. And so, for his tenth labor, Hercules was sent to the sent to get the cattle of Geryon. Um, the cattle were as red as the sunset, so sort of like the uh, cattle of the sun. 
which is served as like a weird, I don't know, red cows are a thing. Um, in order to bring them, bring home the red cows first, they had, he had to get to the island, uh, where the cows were. And the cows were, like, the island where they are is basically on the end of, at the end of the world. Basically, it's near the same area where the island of the Hesperides were, Mm. or is. So at the... The Hesperides are at the end of the world where the night sky meets the um, day. Um, uh, and this island is Erythia. Uh, it, it, it is basically the sunset island. And that's why the cows are red. They're red as the sunset. Um, things all fit together. But that is where Gary and his cows are. And to get there... Um, he has to cross this big sea, and it's really hard to cross, and Hercules gets very frustrated, and he shoots an arrow at Helios while he's carrying his chariot, carrying the sun across the sky, and Helios, instead of being like, dude, you just shot at me, (laughs) was like, dude, you got the arrow up here? (laughs) I'm gonna, like, you wanna drive this thing? And he lent him the chariot of the sun. Not with the sun in the back, but just, like, you can carry the, you can use your the chariot for some errands, I guess. And chari- uh, Hercules takes the chariot all the way to the island of the sunset. There, he is greeted by Orthus, a two-headed dog. And sibling of Cerberus. Oh, I know, right? Woof, woof. Um, so when I say greeted, I mean he he was confront confronted. So he was woof, like, woof. yeah, he was being charged <laughs> by a two-headed dog that did not like visitors that wanted to take his cows away. Um, and Cow Hercules, uh, known for his uh, dog-loving abilities, uh, kills him basically with one blow from his club. Bam. Because, of course, Hercules' choice of weapon is a club. What an elegant weapon. (laughs) So, as soon as uh, Orthus is down, out comes Uridian, the cattle herder son of Ares. And we like him from Percy Jackson. Good old Uridian. Yeah. Son of Ares, sort of a little sassy little cowboy who doesn't like his job, but or doesn't like his boss, but likes his job. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, in this one, he is sort of listen. He still is listening to his boss. So, yeah. So he Garion's is like Uridian attack, and Uridian's like okay, okay, boss, and Hercules is like batter or wait what swing to no what pitch to i don't know uh he was up to bat and he took his club and oh. struck it out and uh Uridian was no more and on to the next one garion he was the owner of this here cattle ranch and he did not like that one someone was trying to steal his cows two someone killed his cow hand three that same someone also killed his dog. Lots, lots of reasons not to like Hercules. He also killed his family. 
He also killed his family. He's also killed a lot of people. <laughs> uh, now, Girion is not someone to be messed with because he is a giant with three bodies and one head, as we've discussed before. That would be terrifying accordion man coming <laughs> towards you. Um, but honestly, for Hercules, three bodies, no problem. It's just a bigger Club dude. Em. Yep. Club works just as well. So, but he actually doesn't use the club. He realizes that he, if he got in a wrestling match with Garion, he would probably lose. Just because more bodies, it's harder to pin down. Uh, so he takes out an arrow. It's uh, The arrowhead is dipped in the blood of a hydra. And he shoots Garion in the forehead. And Garion is down. Then, now once the cattle are in Hercules, like, so once everybody's down, uh, once everybody's dead, uh, the cattle are basically free for the taking. So Hercules just herds them back onto the, onto the chariot of the sun, flies the chariot back to his cousin, and that was the task. But, (laughs) so, on some accounts, they're, like, like, Hera... Well, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> okay. So he got the cows, he got them into the boat, and he got them, or he got them into the chariot, and he got them to the mainland. Um, but then he still had to herd them from that point to point A to point B type thing uh, to get to his cousin's area. And Hera complicated the matter by, like, sending a fly to bite a horse's butt, and then they all charged across Europe, or charged across Greece for two years and (laughs) whatever. Different story, longer story, it's cows. Um, (laughs) Okay, and now we're going to talk about the mares of Diomedes. So, for his eighth labor, so we're going back in time now, Hercules was sent to steal the mares of Diomedes in, and return them to his cousin, Eurytheus. The mares of Diomedes is a herd of wild, fire-breathing in some counts. <sighs> yeah. So, not in all, but some. And it's always interesting when sometimes. But, okay. It's always interesting sometimes. <laughs> so... They are wild, fire-breathing, man-eating horses, and they belong to Diomedes, who is the king of Thrace and son of Ares. In order to catch the mares, basically, so he has to clean the stables um, just to get access to it. And that's the way the story, uh, the story of flooding the uh, river to clean the stables. Um, he basically just digged it, dug a trench. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he diverted the river <laughs> to clean the stables. And hurrah. So he also, to, for this uh, labor, uh, Hercules often brought friends along because he could. Friends and fun. Yeah. And the friend he brought along to this labor was probably a little bit more than friend... Maybe a little bit of a lover. His name was Abadurus. He was a son of uh, Her- Hermes. And basically he was sort of just like 
he, he is sort of like the side si- um the sidekick for Hercules in this adventure. Mm-hmm. And Hercules was like, all right, so I cleaned the stables. Now I have to deal with Diomedes. Could you watch the horses while I go and kill this dude? And Ab- Abadurus is like, yeah, horses, no problem. I can hold some reins. Well, holding those reins, you're way too close to some flesh-eating horses. And, well, like, yeah, by the, Hercules got, like, one punch in, turned over, turned around to say, hey, Ab, Abdi, Abdurus, like, look at this, punch him in the face, and Abdurus is, like, not there anymore, and, yeah, sadness, (laughs) and Hercules is pissed. He, like, is his lover, his best friend, his companion is gone, is dead, has been eaten alive by horses. He's very upset. Naturally. So, who does he go to? He goes to Diomedes, who's already in his hand of being, like, you are a terrible person. Because the reason that the whole horses eat flesh is because Diomedes fed them flesh their entire lives until they got the craving and basically they they won't stop. So Hercules basically in this rage just picks up Diomedes and takes him over to the pen now clean stable throws him in with the horses and feeds him, feeds him alive. Or they, the horses eat him alive. And after this, the horses are sort of calm. They've now eaten two people, got, everyone's got a full stomach. Not only that, they've eaten the, their tormentor, they've eaten Diomedes, the, their owner and the guy that made them who they are. So they're pretty calm, they're not, they're not, like, raging and they're not about to eat the first person who touches them. So, Hercules, realizing that this is his basically only chance, binds their mouths so they can't bite them. <laughs> and then it's like, all right, you're my horse. You're, whatever, I've got the horses now. And he can't. they can't mess with me anymore because I bound their mouths shut. And he takes them home. Takes him back to his cousin. Good job. Yeah. Heracles. And what sort of, like, so he was able to easily transport them back to King Eurytheus, who promptly dedicated the horses to Hera, because that's what you do when you're King Eurytheus. (laughs) Um, In some versions, the mares were then allowed to roam around Argos, and then they became tame because they had become tame after their incident with Hercules. And then in that one, it's like the one of the descendants of um, the mares of Diomedes is the horse of Alexander the Great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know. Weird, weird. T- okay. Thanks for that, family tree. 
<laughs> um, but then there's also a different version where Eurytheus ordered the the horses to be taken to Olympia, Olympus and sacrificed to Zeus, but Zeus refused the sacrifice and sacrifice and instead sent wolves, lions, and bears to kill them. Weird. But I like the idea that they were tamed after Hercules dealt with them, and they wandered around Argos <laughs> making babies that <laughs> might like to eat people. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to be talking about the Sphinx. Okay. The face of a woman, the body of a lion, the wings of an eagle. The Sphinx is a classic mythical creature appearing first in Egypt, but also appearing in Greek myth, along with Mycenaean and Assyrian and Persian and Phoenician, all of these places. Basically, if you were in that Mediterranean melting pot area in the ancient times, you knew what a Sphinx was. So... I don't think Sphinx meowed. <laughs> <laughs> that was worth a shot. <laughs> so, so an Egyptian Sphinx and a Greek Sphinx, very different things. So Egyptian Sphinx were usually wearing nemes. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. I don't Zings? think. Nemes? Basically, the, the traditional headdress worn by pharaohs. And they w- were like... No one knows how old the sphinxes are in Egypt, which is crazy. Real old. Real, real old. But there is a story set in the 18th dynasty when Tuthmosis IV was just a prince. So we already know he's going to be the king because he's a fourth. <laughs> um, and he, when he was a prince, he went out hunting and he fell asleep in the shadow of the sphinx. Uh, like the statue, because it was already there in the 18th dynasty of, like, 18th Egyptian dynasty. Wow. Um, and while he was asleep, he had a dream that there, that the Sphinx spoke to him and promised that he would become king if he cleared the sand that had piled up around the Sphinx's feet. Obviously, he must have done that because, again, he's a fourth. Um, but unlike the Egyptians who saw the Sphinx as, like, godlike creatures who, like, gave some, like, awesome advice and whatever, the Sphinx in Greek myth, like, the Greeks saw the Sphinx as a troublesome and possibly deadly creature, and the most famous Sphinx-related, you know how hard it is to say Sphinx over and over again? (sighs) Okay, the most famous Sphinx-related myth <laughs> is that that of the Theban, the, the, the Sphinx of Thebes, the Theban... The famous Sphinx of Thebes. The famous Sphinx of Thebes. In, in this myth with this Sphinx, the, the, the Theban prince Oedipus... Pre-complex was involved. So the land in the land of Thebes, they had a problem. A quite deadly and very tricky problem. They were being terrorized by a sphinx. The sphinx had created, created a drought and had turned 
every turn like and that drought had in turn turned into a famine because mm-hmm. normally one follows the other. The only way to get rid of the Sphinx was to somehow someone answer this riddle. What creature has four feet at breakfast, two feet at lunch, three feet at dinner, and moves slower the more feet it uses? All who attempted to answer this riddle failed and were immediately killed and devoured by the Sphinx. Cool. Now, the kingdom of Thebes was in a very tough spot because not only were they under a threat of Sphinx attack, their king, Laius, had recently been killed, oops, <laughs> by Oedipus. Aw. But no one knows that Oedipus is one, the one that did it. Because, you see, they were, basically, it was a case of early road rage. And, one, like, uh, Laius wanted to go faster and on the road, and Oedipus was in front of him going slowly, and uh, they tailgated for a while. And then Linus went off-road trying to pass him, mm. flipped the chariot, and died. Oh. Uh, How uh, is that Oedipus' fault? Because uh, it was his fault. Oh. And <laughs> that's not even the half of it. I'm not even telling you the half of it yet. So, no one knew who was responsible for the king's death. And no one even really liked Linus any, anyway, so... But none of them realized what they were walking into with the whole drama with Oedipus. With the king's death and the Sphinx's rampage on uh, rampage, Creon, who was the queen, Jocasta's, Yoc- uh, who was the re- the widow of Laius, um, Creon is her brother. So, okay, whatever. Creon, somehow he has the right to do this. He promises that whoever could answer the Sphinx's riddle would marry Queen Jocasta's uh, and uh, become king of the Theban or the Theban. Wow, the king, king of Thebes. <laughs> he would become the king of Thebes, marry the queen, and live happily ever after. This is what Creon is promising, whoever answers the the Sphinx. Enter Oedipus. Without even knowing the promise that Creon made about marrying the queen, Jocasta. Jocasta. Um, He basically runs into the dreaded Sphinx. The Sphinx of Thebes. (laughs) And he was asked, what creature has four feet at breakfast, two feet at lunch, three feet at dinner, and moves slower the more feet it uses? Now Oedipus was a smart guy. He stopped, he took his time with his answers, molded over a little bit, and then he answered. Man, he crawls on all fours as a baby, runs on two legs as an adult, and in old age, he walks with a cane. The answer was correct. Good job. Yeah. The answer was correct. And when the Sphinx realized that she had been bested, she cast herself off of a mountainside in despair. 
Oedipus went on to marry Queen Jocasta, and he became king of Thebes. And they had four children. All went well for many, many years. But then, some secrets were revealed. Including the all-important one. The one that detailed that King Laius and Queen Jocasta were Oedipus's parents, meaning Oedipus has married and had four children with his mother. Also, to add, in, to add insult to injury, killed his father. He killed his father. Good job, Oedipus. How does she not know? How does she not know? I don't know. Do not know. Well, no, she, he was taken away from her as a baby, so supposedly she didn't see him as a baby. Uh, ever? I guess not. Or very briefly. And honestly, would you be able to recognize a grown, grown man from their baby photo? No. You might be able to say, oh, same family. But, nah. Nah. Oh, Oedipus. Poor, poor Oedipus. And poor, what's his daughter's name? Oh, God. Oedipus' daughter? Yeah. Antigone? Antigone. Poor, poor, poor. What a tragedy! It's almost like it's an ancient Greek tragedy. (laughs) Alright. Ready for quest queries? This has been, like, a really long episode. Let's do one question. One question. This We've been up here for almost three hours. I know. One question. I liked your question. What question? What are seashells made of? <laughs> well, that's because it's a question with an answer. I liked it because I thought I knew, and then I Googled it, and I didn't know. <laughs> so what are seashells made out of? They're from mollusks. <laughs> According to coastalclair.org, the page titled Seashells, most seashells come from mollusks, a large group of marine animals including clams, mussels, and oysters, which exude shells as a protective covering. Shells are excreted from the outer surface of the animal, called the mantle, and are made up of mostly calcium carbonate. Huh. That's very interesting. Thank you, Natalie. You're welcome. Thank you to coastalcare.org <laughs> for sponsoring this answer. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. We didn't get any money, um, unfortunately. But I was like, well, they're, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I didn't ever really, like, think of it. I know. I was there and figured they were something. They're, they had to be... Alive at one point. I just kind of, like, assumed, like, oh, there's a creature inside it. But what? How did it make? Yeah. Now we know. Mm -mm. And, um, considering the fact that my laptop is on zero battery and we've been up here for three hours almost, we're gonna call it a day. Well, anyway, yeah. We were basically done anyway. Yeah. (laughs) There are a few more questions, but we can talk about them later. So... (laughs) If you have anything to add to our discussion, you can email us at 4600.podcast at gmail, 
You can message us or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at floor underscore 600. You can find us on Tumblr at floor 600 podcast. And by the way, every time I'm saying 600, I mean the, like the number version of it. Do not spell it out. It's six zero zero. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash floor 600. Help us improve this podcast. Get some cool perks like bonus episodes, stickers, a private Floor 600 group, and more. We are thinking about making a Demigod Files Patreon episode, so if you want to hear that, stay. go check out our our Patreon. You can join us. Yeah, because if someone's going to be listening to it, we'll actually make it. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoying for as little as a dollar a month, so... Check that out, and as always, rate, review, and subscribe, and thanks for listening. Yep. See you next week when we read more stuff. Bye. (laughs) Goodbye. See you next week when we read more stuff. (laughs) Great.